Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Everything that moves and is in motion is being conformed to the thing that moves it. As creatures in motion, we are ultimately defined by our desires and by the things towards which we are drawn. God, being outside of time, sees all this in the now, and he knows us, he knows us by our end. That's why the Bible describes Esau in such glowing terms, is a hairy little brutish baby. (laughs) Sounds a little unfair when you read that story, sort of like Esau never had a chance to be good. But this is just really the scriptural way of saying that God sees Esau's end from outside of time. Esau's end is not a result of fate or predeterminism, but it is a result of Esau's choices. It is the outcome of his desires which move him towards the ugly and not the beautiful. As much as it may seem like this is uh, a condition of fate, we know and teach and believe that God has not predestined anyone to perdition. Absolutely not. In fact, that doctrine and notion is an obscenity to us and we denounce it and reject it. We are not trapped in a hopelessly irreversible trajectory towards some fate. You can choose the good. You can choose the beautiful. Or not. (laughs) You could choose something else. Or you could just do nothing. In which case, by tragic default, you will succumb to the powers of our fallen state, the overlords which are corruption and atrophy, those are the harsh taskmasters which will carry us down a dark river to a place that we really do not want to go, but we will go because we did not bother to desire what we really desire. We could just do nothing. Well, that's up to us. That's up to us because God has implanted a power within us. A power that is one with our nature and our being which identifies us as humans made in God's image. This power to love. This power to choose what we set our desires upon. We have that great God-like power. We can set our desires and thus our trajectory towards the good and the beautiful. Towards life itself. Towards God. Or we can set them in another way towards the appetites of the flesh, towards temporal things, according to our gospel this morning, towards money. We can set them on emotional and psychological sickness like 
fear or anger, we can nurture that within ourselves. You know, you get some sort of sick fascination or satisfaction, I should say, from anger. And I guess we can all relate to that, playing in the loop in your head, what you're going to say to that guy or that woman. You had the chance, nursing that. We can do that. Or, as I said, maybe we just do nothing. We just do nothing. We can be neutralized in our desire, flatlined, lukewarm, you know, just kind of blah. That's almost just as bad. We're reading Dante right now. I think, I think Dante has less respect for the blah people than he does for the overt sinners. <laughs> Atrophy always rules in that case. As I've said many times, we're on a hill. If you do nothing, you're going to coast downhill. <laughs> we only coast in one direction. Coasting's not an option in the Christian life. Coasting's not an option in the Christian life. Coasting is not an option in the Christian life. Atrophy always wins in that case. Until we really own this, until we really own this innate power of our humanity, the devil will just play with us like, like my cat plays with a caught mouse, slapping it around, playing with it, sort of pretends like he's going to let it get away, and then he grabs it. And then eventually, especially if it's Ollie, at <laughs> some point... <laughs> That's the end of the mouse. <laughs> but when we realize how absolutely powerful and free we actually are in Christ, that we are not victims, the devil and all the suffering he causes in this world becomes as nothing to us. We glide over it. The light breaks through. And we find ourselves. And we find ourselves as ourselves, free and beautiful, made in God's image perfected in the Holy Spirit. Well, as we're struggling with this, it's obvious to all of us, I think, that we, as we try and love God, as we think we love God, we love Him very imperfectly. And we even struggle with that idea. What does it mean to love God imperfectly? If you're loving God imperfectly, are you really loving God? I mean, we, we feel this urge to love God, but then we sin we are egocentric. To sin is to not love God, by definition. So do we love God? Do we not love God? That's a great problem for us. But we pray. We pray. We're so glad. I can't remember which gospel this is in. Maybe it's in several. I can't remember the exact passage. But we're so glad that the gospelers in included that story of the man who cried out, I believe, O Lord, help my unbelief. We cling to that, don't we? We cling to that one. Oh Lord, I love you. Please help me. Forgive me for not loving you. I believe. Help my unbelief. There's a sense in which, of course, we know that we can be moving in the right direction, which indicates that we are loving God, but at the same time, we can fall down a lot and we can lack grace in that movement. That's the struggle of our sanctification, which is a reality. But that, that sort of awareness, that understanding of how we're progressing and moving in our love of God in this life, that's not exactly how, by the way, that the passages this morning, the epistle and the gospel, are constructed. They're constructed very differently than that. They're not built on, I believe, help my unbelief. Both of our 
epistle and gospel present to us really a rather stark, uncompromising binary choice. It's either this or that. It's just a different rhetorical way of speaking to us about the seriousness of our Christian life. They basically say you're either going up or you're going down. You can't be going both directions at the same time. They are diametrically opposed to one another. And obviously we need this kind of uncompromising rhetoric because so many of us are prone to rationalizations and a reticence to really face reality. Again and again, the scriptures are trying to call our attention to reality. We're so good at sort of just maneuvering around stark reality. And that's why we get these parables and stories in the Gospels which are, sound really, really rather harsh and ruthless at some time. It's because God is trying to wake us up, trying to bring us, you know, sort of a little bit of a smack in the face, bring us to reality with some of that. In any case, in our gospel this morning, Jesus tells his disciples, no one can serve two masters. As a matter of fact, uh, in Jesus' day, there actually was a strange situation, maybe rare, but it did, it did exist where there were some slaves who were actually owned by two different masters, <laughs> which would have been a really, I mean, it's bad enough to be a slave, but to be owned by two masters, <laughs> that's a really untenable position <laughs> to be in. But Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, even though some of you might be owned by two masters. You're either going to hate the one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve, and he says, what he's talking about here, God and money. He says the same thing twice, kind of from two angles. You can't hate money and love God. I mean, you can't love money and love God at the same time. And you can't devote yourself to money and not despise God. St. John Chrysostom says the reason he puts it this way, kind of the, from both angles, comes at it twice, is because he's trying to tell us that really the power is yours to decide what you're going to love and what you're going to despise. You can do it this way or you can do it that way. It's up to you. That's the message St. John says that Christ is communicating to us because of how he phrases this. In our epistle lesson this morning from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, I want to read to you a few verses before where our, actual, our reading begins. This is from chapter 5. It's all ties together, by the way. For those of you who are reading your propers, if you, I'm not going to comment on all of them, but if you go back and look, they all tie together with the theme this morning. It's a very clear theme in our Mass today. But St. Paul writes, in beginning in verse 13, he says, I would just hear Paul pleading with the Galatians. So much uh, emotion in his voice here. There's so much passion and emotion, feeling. He writes to the Galatians, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge your flesh, but through love, Serve one another. For the whole law can be summed up in a single commandment. Namely, you must love your neighbor as yourself. He just bypasses the one about loving God. His emphasis here is on the community. The whole law can be summed up in a single commandment. You must love your neighbor as yourself. 
However, if you continually bite and devour one another, beware that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. And if you do this, if you live by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. You know, the flesh has desires. The flesh has desires, and those desires are opposed to the Spirit. The flesh lusts against the Spirit. And the Spirit has desires, and those desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. They're in a war. They're diametrically opposed. And if you live in the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. These are in opposition one to another, so that you cannot do what you want cannot do what you want. What you want to do is love God and live a beautiful life. But you can't love God and live a beautiful life if you set your desires on the flesh. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So Jesus teaches us that if you love money and are more concerned about concerned, anxious, desiring of temporal things in the kingdom of God, he says you can't do that and love God. It's one or the other. You can't do that and love God at the same time. St. Paul, likewise, opposes walking and living in the Spirit with giving in to the appetites and lusts and desires of the flesh. And then he goes on in his reading to provide one of his, you know, lists. He always likes these lists, where he lists all these nasty, ugly, naughty things that people do. (laughs) St. Paul was given to these lists. All these works of the flesh. But in the context, and that's why I wanted to read to you these verses beforehand, in the context of St. Paul's list of works of the flesh and appetites of the flesh and lusts of the flesh, these aren't just individual indulgences, but he ties them all into a failure to love one another in community. That's the context here. It's how we live with one another. How we love one another. That's at the root of it all for St. Paul, which is clear from these earlier verses. So Paul, like Jesus, he paints a binary choice and picture, and he drives the, home, the point home, as he always is wont to do, in verse 21, towards the end of this section, when he says, and warns, he says, I warn you, I warn you, you know, St. Paul always had his little finger like this. <laughs> I warn you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the message from both Jesus and St. Paul, which is clearly presented, as I said, in the Proverbs this morning, this message is actually incredibly positive and hopeful, even though it comes to us with some uncompromising warnings. (laughs) I mean... Jesus is, the bulk of Jesus' passage there is about chirping birds and spring flowers and telling us not to worry. That's very sweet and delightful and charming and amiable. That's really what Jesus is saying. I mean, he's saying, what a wonderful life it is. What a wonderful life God has made for you. Why don't you enjoy it? Don't do stupid things. It will keep you from enjoying it. Jesus is very amiable about these things. Don't worry, he says. Stop worrying. And you can have the entire kingdom. My whole kingdom is yours. You don't even have to get me a horse. 
Richard III. A horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. All you have to do is stop worrying and you can have the kingdom. And Paul, who's never been accused of being charming, I don't think, um, even he, at the end of the passage, gives us this very nice and delightful list of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness. So nice to be kind. It's so much better to be kind to one another than to not be kind. You know, I said we, we sort of get some sort of sick satisfaction out of sometimes not being kind, really sticking it to someone. There's some sort of satisfaction in that, but it's sort of this kind of satisfaction that sort of turns bitter in your stomach afterwards. It makes you sick. Whereas if you practice kindness towards one another, being gentle and kind, there is a satisfaction in that too that lasts and that really does bring peace and contentment. We should practice that kind. Kindness. Kindness. Faithfulness. Gentleness, St. Paul says. Of course, at the end of the list, St. Paul wouldn't be St. Paul if he didn't throw in and self-control. <laughs> so that's, he, he's got, he just can't resist. He's, that's the end of all these wonderful, delightful things. Oh, and self-control. The little finger comes out. Of course, after this wonderful list of the fruit of the Spirit, he also can't resist adding that you only get all of this if you uh, crucify the flesh with its passions and lusts. So St. Paul has to add that. But the message from St. Paul and from Jesus today is that we really, all of us, we really do want to love God. So please make sure you love God. That's what you want. Do that. But it's up to you. It's up to you. And in the spirit of St. Paul, I feel like I should conclude my sermon by saying that if you don't take care of this, it's not going to go well for you. That's the reality of it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.